Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family. What's up, team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Today's guest comes to us with a skill set that we all need. With all honesty, if you are a outside sales professional, if you are a self-employed sales entrepreneur, or if you are someone who's looking to generate income by attacking, targeting, and converting customers, you're not going to want to miss the show today. The number one mistake I hear salespeople making is they don't know how to prospect correctly. They don't know how to get in front of the right people. So we're going to talk a little bit about that with today's guest. Today's guest is the co-founder of the email outreach company. He's also a serial entrepreneur. Adam Rosen, welcome to the Catapulted Commission's podcast. Anthony, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you have I appreciate you having me on and I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah, man. So let's let's talk a little bit about your journey, right? So you're you're a serial entrepreneur. Uh, we're definitely going to spend some time talking about email outreach because uh, Catapult Commission's family, they can't learn enough about how to effectively outreach and prospect. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about your journey and what brought you to the point you're in today. Yeah, for sure. So I never held a true nine to five job in my life. So I, I did a, a one year MBA program after college. And I only did that because I started an entrepreneur program at my school. It went well. They offered me a one year program to continue uh, running that program as well as to get my MBA. So I did that. Three weeks before I graduated, uh, myself and my original two co-founders said, hey, let's let's jump all in. Let's start what ended up becoming our first business, which we ended up running for five years. And the general premise was, hey, students in college in college student organizations, they have a special group of students, you know, passionate, motivated, driven. Then companies, they want to get to those students to hire them as well as to get data on them. So we built a tech platform that connected the two. Our customers were people like Bank of America, Amazon, AT&T, as well as some startups. And uh, yeah, we did that for five years. We acquired them back in 2019. And when I say acquired, people assume that you know I went to Hawaii, which I guess I technically did move out to Hawaii, but they assume that I was in Hawaii, retired as a 26, 27, 28-year-old, drinking a Mai Tai every day. And that was not my reality. Um, but we sold in 2019 to make sure that our students can end up in a good place, our customers can end up in a good place, and our investors can get as much money back as possible. So that we did that. And then uh, that was kind of the next leg of uh, what ended up leading into email average company that we do today. Okay, so building these tech startups and, and running these companies isn't something new to you. I mean, this is something you're, you've experienced a few times around. Fair assessment? 
Yeah, for sure. So did that for five years. And then I've been advising a lot of startups, many of which are tech startups over the past several years and uh, leading into my company now. But yeah, this, this is really my second, if you can call it a tech slash service business, but I have a lot of experience now in that tech world, but I'm also not a tech founder. You know, I, I came into it more of a sales background, sales-minded entrepreneur, sales-minded founder in the tech world where it's a it's the kind of the wild, wild west in a very different way. So I was very green in that world and I had to learn the hard way in a lot of ways what that tech world is like. So let's let's talk about that tech world for a second, right? There there is a group of listeners right now in the Catapult Commissions family that are, um, let's just say they're they are successful sales professionals that are like, hey man, I want to start my own company. Uh, the secondary audience listeners is a younger generation of salespeople, some in college that are like, hey, I want to learn about sales entrepreneurship. And that's one of the things we talk about, right? Is sales entrepreneurship, sales entrepreneurship. Right. You get paid for what you sell. That's what we talk about. So let's talk to that person right now that says, you know what? I think I am going to go and, and I am going to go and and either build a tech startup, a startup in general. In your experience, what is the biggest mistake you see people making when they build a tech startup? And what's the biggest mistake that you made in building your startups? One and the same. Okay. Product market fit. The biggest struggle I see so many founders get into is they never get the true product market fit, especially in the tech space. Like in the tech world, I remember I met with this serial entrepreneur and uh, he said to me, he said, Adam, red is the new black. And I'm like, what do you mean red is the new black? Basically, it doesn't matter about how much money you lose. All that matters is grow, 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 you know, scale as much as you possibly can, even before you're ready. But if you get to a situation where you're selling without product market fit, it's you're always going to feel like you're clogging up a leaky bucket. So that's always rule number one. And that's been my biggest focus with my current company is how do we make sure that every single customer is happy, renewing, and hopefully giving us more money because we're providing more value. So that's the biggest challenge I see so many entrepreneurs face. That was our biggest problem was we never got to true product market fit, which is why we didn't sell at the number that we hoped we would sell at. So when you say product market fit, are you saying people jump in without having the full understanding? Or are you saying people aren't making it an adaption to the, to the current market? I mean, let's, let's be honest, the market we're in today is not the same when your first company started. So we, we definitely have to have some evolution here. So where does that product market fit mistake come in? Yeah. So, and the way I define product market fit, it doesn't matter what your offering is. It's does somebody buy from you once and then they buy from you a second and a third and a fifth time. If you can get that from even just one customer, that will allow you as a salesperson to find that second customer, that 10th customer, that 20th customer. But until you get a company that wants to continue working with you, you're again, constantly going to be feeling like you're filling in that leaky bucket. So product market fit, I, I, I judge not as just getting that first sale. Anyone who's a good seller can get someone to buy once. But do we have the product to back it up where they want to keep buying from you over and over and over again? Mm, I like that. It's definitely a learning that at the highest level. All right. So now we, we identify we're in a startup. We go product market fit. Let's be honest here, man. Not all founders, right, can run their, their they can run their company. Let me, let me be careful how I phrase this. Founders can run their company to a certain point. Right? They can only get to a certain point with sweat equity, whether it's one founder, whether there's a team of three founders, you can only get to a certain point before you have to bring on a sales team or bring on a team. So when you're in this early stages, what are you looking for in the person that's going to run your sales team or even hiring a salesperson? What, what does that journey look like to go from founder-led sales to a division or a sales team? 
Yeah. And, and first, anyone who's listening right now who's a sales-minded person and who has dreams of being an entrepreneur or just joining an early stage company, the there's really two types of founders that I see. One is a product-focused founder. And those are great because they tend to get to product market fit maybe a little bit faster or build at least stronger products. But the second type of founder is a sales type founder, someone that can just sell, get new customers. You need both of those. You need at least both of those minds working at once. If you're too product focused, that means you're not talking enough to customers. You're not bringing enough money in. That's a huge problem. The biggest problem on the sales side is you can get new business, but maybe you're not as focused on getting to that product market fit. So that's number one. Now, to answer your question, Anthony, the biggest thing is how do you create systems that somebody else can plug into and replicate? So it is all a systems game. That's what my focus is constantly, not just on the sales side of the house of my current business, but for every part of my business. Again, as I was sharing to you offline, we're, I'm a digital nomad. I'm traveling the world. My co-founders travel in the world. Our entire team is virtual from all over the world. So we're constantly focused on how do we build easy, replicable, replicable systems that people can implement. So let's talk those systems then. So if you're building systems, and, and, and I tend to agree with you, you have to have systems in place. What's the trial and error process look like for building systems in a startup? How quick do you say, hey, I'm going to pivot. This isn't working. Do you borrow someone else's system? I mean, these I know these seem like remedial questions, but in my line of work, I've worked with some incredibly successful uh, companies where they're founder led and they transition and we implement systems. And I'm and I to this day and I'm thankful. I mean, it's the reason I have a job. It's the reason I have a business. But some people really struggle with implementing these systems. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think some of the struggles that go into implementing systems is I think you can't be too rigid. Now, depending on who you are, like on the sales side of the house. So I'll give you an example. When I first got into sales in my business, my two, I had two other co-founders at the time and they were both on the sales side. I was mainly on the student side. When I went to go on the sales side, I was being trained by one of my co-founders and he was teaching me what he does from a sales standpoint. And he had all these like very, if anyone knows Brian Tracy, he was like, hey, here's all the 10 questions you need to ask. And when I first started, it was a fucking nightmare because I just felt like I was a robot trying to fit into this exact system. And it wasn't me. And it wasn't until my other co-founder, who was our CEO, who said, Adam, you just got to be you. All, the only question that really matters is when you get on a phone call, how can I help? What are you looking for? Once I started doing that, once I started talking like me and acting like me, that's when sales sales started to pop. And that's why I'm an effective salesperson to this day, because it's all about, again, as we all know, how do you build, how do you build trust? How do you get someone to feel like they know you, like you, et cetera? So you have to create the systems, but you also have to let your A players be them, their most authentic self. So you have to let them, the right people, uh, fit within the system in the way that's going to allow them to shine. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I, we just published a blog and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but we published a blog on, on consultative selling versus uh, problem selling. And we, we talk about some of the different modalities of sales systems that exist. And in Catapulted Commissions family, you've heard me say this before. And I know, I, I personally know some of the founders or some of the people who run uh, sales systems that are adopted nationwide to corporate companies. The best sales modality you run is the one that's natural and organic to you. You just heard Adam is running a successful company. His second successful company has been involved in numerous companies. And you heard him say he had to do what was his natural, authentic fit to him. So I like that. I like how you say that when you look. All right. So let's say you go and you, and you, you start that salesperson. What do you look for when you hire? What's that first person that you say, OK, come join my startup. Like what are the skills, the tangibles you're looking for to bring that person onto your team? 
number one, I feel like this has to be number one for any, I don't care what relationship it is. If you don't have the big T word, it's never going to work. And that T word, as we all know, is trust. Do I trust this person? That is number one, because especially in the startup days, shit is going to happen. Ugly things are going to happen. We're going to try. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are not going to work out. But do I trust this person that number one, they're going to be honest with me? And number two, that they're going to open up so that we can all grow together. Uh, so that's number one is do I trust them? And then for me, like my favorite quote is always perseverance and spirit have done wonders in all ages by George Washington. Now, you never can test that until actually, you know, shit hits the fan. But those are always things I look for is trust. And then do they have that hunger? And do they have that grit for sales. If you don't have hunger and if you don't have grit, then it's probably best you find another path because sales, you, you got to be willing to take a punch in the face and get right back up. Man, so much for me to peel back on that one. I love the trust and, and how you mentioned the, the startup phase, right? It's, it's everything doesn't run. It's not smooth selling out the gate. And, and I no. say that I, 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 I say that, you know, catapulting commissions family, you've been following on the journey, right? We're about to launch the catapulting commissions Academy, uh, which is, in a startup phase. And so my, my team, Tara, as we have definitely weathered some growing pains and you learn things and you trust it, but the trust is there. So I love how you say that. So having that hundred percent, regardless of vision, you have to trust somebody and, and you know, the startup phase, there's definitely the ups, downs, lefts, rights, turn backs, four steps backwards, five forward. I get that. But what you said about salespeople, there has to be some hunger. There has to be some grit. I mean, that applies at all levels. Like, what's your thoughts on that? So would you, in your startups, would you take a tenured, experienced salesperson or a young, hungry college kid that wants to get sales experience? What's your thoughts on that? It depends. It depends on what the role is, of course. If it's for more of an SDR type of role, then yeah, you might want to go with the the young buck who's hungry and he or she is just willing to grind and, and do what they need to do. Uh, but I think there is something, of course, with experience. You can't teach experience. Like you know, I remember starting my company. I was a 22 year old, bright eyed, bushy tailed pup. You know, I always called myself a pup, and I'm 30 years old today. And I hope that a year from now, 10 years from now, I'll be calling myself a pup as I am today. Like you just can't teach experience. But that's where I think whether you're a 10 year veteran or fresh out of college. College, it's are you someone who's coachable? That's the other big thing I always look for is how coachable are you? Uh, the best, like one of our clients who happens to be my sister, she's young, she's 26 years old. She never had a corporate client before she started working with us. And she works a lot, obviously with me, um, but also with my business partner. He's her business coach. And she's the most coachable person I know. Like you, you tell her something and she's out there running, she's sprinting and she's implementing it. So how coachable are you? I think you just, you don't know what you don't know myself is included in that. Um, so how coachable are we to learn what needs to be learned in order for us to get to the level that we want to get to? Yeah, I love that. I love how you, I love how you explain that. I love how you, how you break that down. Uh, and I, even myself, when I hire salespeople, I, I tell people all the time, and I love experience, but it's not the definition for me. To me, it is, are you hungry? What's your why? And can you overcome adversity? Like those are things that I'm looking for 100%. And and I've interviewed people before that have been incredibly tenured and felt like they, they, you know, they, they deserve the opportunity to work with me. And, and I've interviewed people before that have been like, dude, I don't even know, like outside of my experience, I'm not, at this point, if I was really concerned about your experience, you wouldn't even be speaking to me at this point. So I, I love how you say that. So let's, let's talk about the company right now. So you, your sister, you're helping her generate, uh, is that with email outreach right now? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the email outreach company. That's your current company. You're co-founded. What is it that you do? Services, I'm assuming we can go off the email outreach company. There's no hidden secrets in the title, but tell us a little bit about what you do there. 
Yeah, we try to be, uh, we're, we're big believers in simplicity. So we figured let's create the most simple direct name that we possibly could. So yeah, the basic premise is I, I don't care who you are, what company you are, you need more sales appointments. Uh, the problem is in anyone who's an SDR or who's ever prospected, I don't think there's a single person that loves doing or that enjoys even doing cold email outreach. You know, it's tough. It's uh, it's tough to write a good email. It's tough to do the follow-ups. It's tough to manage it. It's tough to deal with people saying, no, I'm not interested, unsubscribe, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, about a year ago now, I was talking to one of the founders of a startup that I've been advising now for a few years. And he said, hey, Adam, do you mind talking to our head of sales? She's struggling to get meetings put on the calendar. I talked to her and I found out what the issue was. I went back to their CEO. I said, hey, man, if you want, I can uh, help you get more sales meetings. He said, sure, put, put something together for me. So I called my business partner up and we created email outreach company originally for him and his company. And like I said earlier about not getting into product market fit with my tech company, this company, email outreach company, well, what's been encouraging for us is the product's been dragging us where it's working. Companies are wanting to give us more money. We've been slowly, methodically adding new clients like my sister that we're able to get sales appointments for. All right. So let's let's I mean, you're speaking my language here. You're speaking the catapult commissions family language. We all want more appointments. Is this email outreach company? I mean, is this large tech? That's your avatar. Is this the State Farm agent that's new to an area? Is this the online say on the online life coach? Is I mean, who is this the physical trainer at the gym that's trying? I mean, who's this for? So the the two main people that this is not for, and really it can work for anybody else. One is B two C. There's a route to go B two C. One of those routes could be getting on different podcasts to share your message, but it's not really great for people that are B two C, and it's not great for people that have a very niche industry. So if there's only like a thousand different people that are within your niche that you could reach out to, why? Because in order for cold email outreach really to work, there needs to be a large enough universe to reach out to. It's, it is part of it is a numbers game. So I mean, for us, our clients arrange everything from tech softwares for, um, you know, talent acquisition teams at big corporations to uh, speakers, you know, uh, speakers that, that speak to corporate companies, to a machine that kills uh, viruses like COVID that sells into hospitals, to insurance agents, to I just got off the phone with somebody who's selling into small businesses, uh, a training, pro- a sales training program to uh, small businesses like plumbers, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it can work for anybody, large company, small company, really, as long as you're a B2B company and you have a, a large enough universe to reach out to. Okay. So the B2B folks, you hear that there is an opportunity. Now I'm thinking as a B2B person myself, let's just think here. Let's say I'm not a founder. Let's say I work for a large B2B company. I'm like, man, I want to kick the shit out of my competition. Can that high performing sales rep utilize email outreach company? Absolutely. Well, yeah, well, you could, you could, of course, utilize us. You could do this, you know, yourself, if you're really that hungry, no one really wants to do it, but making this less about a sales pitch for me, just for anybody. Yes. You could leverage email outreach for yourself. And of course you could, uh, you know, work with a company like ours, but yeah, the biggest thing is people always say cold email doesn't work. And you know what? They're right. Cold email does not work. You know what? Instagram ads, they don't work. Billboards, they don't work. Newspaper ads, they don't work. Spotify ads, they don't work. None of that stuff works if you don't know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing, it can be such an X factor for anybody listening here. Even if you are B2C, like we might not be a great fit to work together, but you could still leverage it. Like if you know how to leverage cold email outreach, you could literally get on the phone with anybody. MasterCard became a client of my tech company, my campus recruiting company. How? My business partner reached out to Ajay Banga, their CEO, to get on an advice call with him. 
that turned into three mentorship calls, which ended up becoming, which ended up leading into MasterCard becoming a client. Anybody is accessible through cold email outreach. If you know how to use it, it can be a freaking massive, massive, massive tool in your toolkit. Mm. All right. So let's talk about the tools of the toolkit because I, I love how you said, right? Stuff doesn't work if you don't know how to use it. And it, I cringe because I remember the first time I tried to run my own Facebook ads. It was like, holy shit, lost a lot of money, didn't pick up anybody. And, and I have friends who, you know, who run marketing agencies like, ah, oh, you don't know what you're doing. Clearly, I didn't know what I was doing, but I wanted to learn what I was doing. And, and, and I learned just enough that I don't want to do it again. But I just had this conversation with somebody who sells radio ads. I'm like, I'll be honest, man. They try to get me to do radio ads for my business. I'm like, there's zero chance. Like, not even, not even, a, I don't want to entertain you. There's a zero chance because, yeah, you're, you're the encashment area was, you know, quarter million people listening. Quarter million people listen to me, and only a fraction of that is, is my client avatar. It's really a waste of money. And if anyone's listening to me during your times, ah, they're probably not who I'm looking for, anyways. So let's, let's, let's talk about this here. Cold email outreach. You say it. I immediately am like, I cringe because I remember the days of trying to craft these perfect emails to go out. So what are the mistakes that the salespeople that are part of Catapult to Commission's family, I mean, these are B2B sales professionals, different industries. What are the common mistakes people are making when they do try to email an outreach on their own? Like, hey, I'm going to go and start prospecting is kind of how the, you know, the, the term we all use. What are the mistakes these folks are making? Yeah. And, and first of all, you're absolutely right, Anthony, because nobody wants to do cold outreach. And the only reason we are good at it now is because we were forced to do it. We had no other choice. Like we were sales led founders and we, yes, we were a funded startup, but we weren't that well of a funded startup. Like we had no other choice. We had to be scrappy. We had to hustle. We had to learn how to do cold email outreach. And I have, you know, a bunch of embarrassing stories of totally butchering cold email outreach that also led me to, to understanding it. So that's number one. Number two, the basics. We all get cold emails on on our own. And most of them, like you said, it makes you cringe because of how bad it is. Now, what are some things that people do a poor job of? Number one, target your message to who your buyer actually is. One of the amazing things about cold email outreach versus almost any other marketing medium is how niche you can get. Like if you're reaching out to talent acquisition within Fortune 1000 companies, you can just reach out to talent acquisition within Fortune 1000 companies. Like you can get very targeted in your outreach. So are you targeted in your outreach and are you presenting the problem and solution in a way that is simple and clear? So what are big mistakes that people make? Number one, it's not doing that. Number two, it's having long freaking emails. Like emails should not be more than four or five, six sentences. Every sentence should be on its own line. Make it easy for people to read. Can we please, for the love of God, just stop in the first sentence saying, hi, before we even know each other, hi, I hope all is well with you and your family. I hope that COVID didn't hit you and your family too hard. It's like, that is such valuable real estate. And yes, it's, you mean well, I mean, people mean well when they say that, but it's such a BS wasting to say, like, just get right to the point, show you care about them, show you respect them by getting direct to the point. What's the purpose? What's the problem or pain you can solve? What's your solution? What's your social proof? And how easy it is? You know, can we hop on a 15 minute phone call? Keep things short and sweet. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people make. And then the next biggest mistake is a lack of follow up. On average, it takes four emails for us to set up one successful meeting for one of our clients. Four emails. So if we're not following up, we're not even giving us ourselves a chance to get, a, to get on a phone call. Hmm. Hold on. 
the the lack of follow up sales professionals. I mean, I, when I've managed sales teams, I'm like, dude, dude, what's your follow up look like? And if you if your follow up is, and I'm gonna guess, and I did not ask out of this, I'm gonna assume your follow up is systematized, very structured. Oh, of course, absolutely, absolutely. Catapult the commissions family. If you're the B2B sales professional right now and your follow-up is based on filling, based on a schedule, you know, I have free time in my calendar. I'm going to sit at Starbucks and follow up. That shit doesn't work. Like, it's just not going to work. Like, there's no way around it. So Adam's telling you, then this is what his company is based off of. They have a system for follow-up. I love the four to six sentences in the email. I can't tell you right now, right? So I have people, and I'm sure you'd imagine, that reach out to me or to, to my assistant on a consistent basis, trying to sell us something. Now you, you pick it. I've been pitched it. And the emails that come, there's a lot of dead real estate where I'm like, man, this. if I can't read this email within a half a scroll on my phone, the likelihood of me reading it is very slim. Or if you haven't grasped my attention in the first two sentences, I'm not, I mean, it's, it doesn't work for me. So I was, I, you know, catapult to commissions family. I tell you this because when you send an email, think about yourself. Is this going to work on me? So let's let's go back on this, Adam. So you say it takes four emails on average for you to book an appointment for your client. I'm going to peel back a layer. You said your email is highlighting pain, problem, social proof, solution. Elaborate a little bit more on that because there are appointment setting companies. And, 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 and I'm going to say this, right? And, and maybe you can help me understand the difference between an appointment setting company and an email outreach because I have been pitched appointment setting companies that would do a phenomenal job at setting appointments, not a phenomenal job at setting the expectations of the appointment. So help me understand here the, the, the method and what you outline, right? Problem, social proof, solution, et cetera, versus just the appointment setters that exist. Yeah, we're, our whole goal is to set up an appointment. So it's probably very similar to what you say. The way we do it is a little different. So we send the email and then we want to get that positive response of like, yes, we're open to a conversation. And then we book, just book the meeting on our client's calendar. So it's probably very similar to what you're referring to. Okay. But I, I guess, well, here's what I'm saying. I, I won't mention the companies that I've seen, but I've seen people book appointments that don't really highlight what the client is doing. And so what you're saying is, no, we're going to, I mean, essentially in your approach, you're getting a qualified appointment booked for your client. Someone yeah, who at least knows what know. we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. We're not trying to invite them to, you know, we're telling them they're coming to a circus and they come in there and it's really, you know, a, I don't know, a church. They're going to church, you know, they're going to church. Like that's, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to say, hey, here's what we do. Here's a problem we solve. Is that a problem that you want to have solved? If so, let's talk. Okay. So... Would you, in your experience, is your email, is your email built in with a telephone phone call or is it 100% email driven? Is it 100, is there a video email attached to this? I mean, what is that? I mean, I don't know if you can, don't give me all the goods, but if you can give you know, the, the catapult commissions family some extra nuggets here they can use, what does that look like? Yeah, it's all very, like we try to overcomplicate things sometimes. And like we need to put to a video, we need to put all these links, we need to put a one pager in here, we need to put this and that. We keep things so simple, all plain text, all simple. Part of that too is because you want to watch out for spam. If you put all these links in your email and you're doing mass emails, if you're putting videos in your emails, like that's just going to increase the chance of you going into spam. So that's always top priority for us is making sure that our, our clients are not going into spam. And it's all about simple. We're not trying to play games. It just here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's our social proof. Do you want to chat? And people respect when you're like that. And there's, of course, unique approaches. Like we do some unique things in the emails to like get people's attention. Um, and and that, that works, but it's all about simple. 
simplicity. Like I always say, it doesn't matter if you're on a sales meeting or anything. You're out to dinner and you meet someone. You're sending a cold email, whatever it is. Details create confusion and a confused buyer is never a buyer. So how do we say less? Always say less. Whether you're on, again, a sales call, an email, it doesn't matter. Stay away from the details. Keep it simple because details create confusion and a confused buyer will never, ever, ever buy. Man, amen to that. We've all heard it before. Keep it simple, stupid. We've talked about it on the show in terms of presenting. Adam's talking about keeping it simple just from the very first outreach. We uh, tend to overcomplicate a lot of things. And, and you're right, man. Confused buyers do not buy. So I like, your, I like what you mentioned about don't get caught in spam. I think that's incredibly valuable for, for the folks to hear. Now, if a sales professional says, okay, how much, I mean, how many people should we be emailing? Right? So you said it takes four, four touches to get a contact. Let's just say in math and theory, I want to have 20 appointments. Or I want to book, let's say, two appointments on a, on a, a day and a weekly day. So let's say 10 appointments a week, 40 appointments a month. How many people should I have in my list to email? Like, I mean, where does this list run dry? Where, I mean, that's another one that always comes up on the show as well. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, again, email is a numbers game. The more you can get, the better. Um, so for us, we'll send on the low end for clients, maybe a thousand emails, like new emails a month. But on the high end, we'll send 5,000 or more emails, which doesn't even include the follow-up. So the more you can get, the better. We have a, a new customer that wants to work with us that has several, several, several hundred thousand dollars, several hundred thousand, I should say, contacts that they have to tap into. So uh, the more, the better, because you got to keep filling the top of the funnel. You got to keep filling the top of the funnel, especially when it comes to cold email. The great thing is we can reach as many people as, as really as we want to reach via email, obviously being wary of the spam. So the more, the better. Okay. Now, you, are you only on email? Or are you tracking people down on LinkedIn and social media? Or is it just truly their traditional business email? Yeah, right now we're sticking with email. We've, we've been tempted for other things like LinkedIn. But right now, because we get good results on email, we don't need to go those other routes. What we've seen from other, some of those other companies that have even reached out to me, they don't get such good results on emails. So they have to go the other routes. For us, we do a pretty good job on emails. So we're, we're, we're not too worried about going the other routes, at least right now. Man, Adam, I love the answer there. I love the confidence in that. Catapult to Commissions family, if you are executing something well, stay in your damn lane. There's no reason to do something that someone else is doing if what you're doing is working well. I can't tell you how many times I've jumped on a call with a client or someone who's been looking to start working with me. And I'm like, well, what is it that you do well? They have this amazing story. What is it that you're, you're trying to do? Some completely different. Why? Well, because so-and-so is doing it. Okay. Are you missing something? Are you executing? Are you are you not providing for yourself? Is the revenue you're making that keeping the business open? So many uh, people try to keep up with the Joneses and, and, and just in the most professional way. You said, hey, man, we execute well in this fucking lane and that's where we're going to run through. So I dig that. Adam, so last, last few minutes here we're running around. So what is the future look like for email outreach company, for, for Adam Rosen? What is the goals? What are we looking for? What can we count on? And I don't want to say count on, but you know, I'd love to follow up with the people who've been on my show two, three years from now. What's the vision for you and your company? Yeah, I, I always see each business as a different chapter and, and each chapter has different learnings associated with it. And, and right now my chapter is, can we build an online business from anywhere we want in the world that is a successful online business? The reason why that's so important to us in, in numbers, I know numbers is important to everyone. We want it to be a several million dollar online business with um, 
that we can do again from anywhere we want in the world. And why is that so important? Specifically anywhere we want in the world is because I believe if you can learn how to create the systems to build a successful online business, that means that if you ever do go back into more of a traditional quote unquote business, you'll have so much, so, uh, so much deeper, uh, such a deeper skill set in terms of building out systems that will allow you to build whatever type of business you want, whether it's real estate focused, tech focused, service focused, it does not matter. So that's the main focus and just continue traveling the world and uh, enjoying and meeting as many interesting people and cultures as I can. Well, Adam, there's not a doubt in my mind that your company is going to grow. This chapter in your life is going to be amazing. And the nomad traveling lifestyle you live is, is I'm envious. I love it. Uh, my audience knows I have two girls five years till they graduate high school. And man, they, they think I'm joking with them. Like, where are you going to live? I don't know. Cabo, Puerto Rico, Dominican. I'm out. I love like, it. I I've, love it. I've been building a business to be nomad. It's to the point where I'm almost nomad where I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm ready to all I need. And you know, I've looked abroad. I'm like, I just, you know what? What's my high speed internet abroad? And people are like, oh, it's expensive. You price it. No, it's not coming from California. No, it's not. I'll pay that. Give me, give me high speed internet. And a beach in the Dominican down the street, man. Call me a happy guy. So I love it, man. How does the Catapult Commissions family find you, Adam? Our website's eocworks.com. Email is adam at eocworks.com. And my most active social media site is Instagram at Adam I. Rosen. But you can also find me on LinkedIn. I, I think it's at I think it's also at Adam I. Rosen or, you know, in backslash in backslash Adam I. Rosen. But you'll, you'll find me there. Yeah. Catapult Commissions family. If you missed those links, go ahead and click on the show notes right now. We will have a link to get connected with Adam. We'll have a link to get connected with email outreach company. Do me a favor. Go follow him. Get connected with him. And last but not least, be sure to leave comments, like and subscribe. And I will see you next week. Catapulting Commissions family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.